Welcome to the Soul Traveler Podcast, an exploration of conscious living with your host, Jennifer Mitchell of The Soul Experience. Join Jennifer as she explores the quantum realms of the subconscious mind and all aspects of spirituality. Driven by curiosity and a thirst for knowledge, topics will stretch the boundaries of your imagination and revive your mind, body, and soul. Hey there, Soul Travelers. I'm your host, Jennifer Mitchell. And I'm absolutely thrilled to welcome you to a brand new episode of the Soul Traveler Podcast, where we dive into enlightening discussion with individuals who share our passion for conscious exploration. Today, I had the pleasure of chatting with the immensely talented Angela Bixby, the visionary behind Energy Intuit and the acclaimed Conscious Psychic Program. Angela's remarkable abilities go beyond the confines of our five senses. As a certified psychic medium, she has undergone extensive training, guiding and empowering over 10,000 clients to unlock their own psychic potential. Get ready to embark on a captivating journey that will expand your mind, body, and soul as we dive into a thought-provoking discussion. Get ready to embrace the wondrous realms of consciousness. Hey, Angela, welcome to the show. It's such a pleasure to meet you, and I'm really excited to chat today and get to know you in real time. Beautiful. Thank you for having me here, Jennifer. It's great to be here on the Soul Traveler podcast talking to you. Yes, and for our listeners, just let them know you are a psychic medium, energy healer, intuitive channel, and you've helped thousands of clients over the past decade. And I'd love to hear about how you got started on your path. Absolutely. We've all got funny stories, don't we? Yes. So I am currently a 55-year-old woman. And at the time of my conscious awakening, I'll call it, it was back in 2010 and preceding that, right? So for me, I'm one of those people that was has always been interested in this stuff and this spiritual awakening and metaphysical field. I've been, you know, meditating since college for for many decades. And had taken Tibetan Buddhist vows in 2006, right? Like, so I've been on this sort of seeker path for a long time. And I began to have some wild experiences in 2008 and 2009. And so I could tell that things were waking up in me. And I had spent a lot of time doing a lot of work on myself and consuming a lot of this, this, this stuff that goes on in the metaphysical arena and was really asking, praying and intending and asking for a connection that I did not think I had. Well, fast forward to when I had a couple of really big experiences, i.e. being awakened in the middle of the night with spirits shaking my mattress. I knew that it was the call and it was the time to find some training and mentoring myself. And so I wasn't even really sure What was going on at that time, quite frankly, I worked with a woman who was a shaman and a mentor to me at that time. So, of course, I called her when I had said experience and said, what's going on? And she said, you're going to channel and you're going to find a class here soon nearby within your budget, works with your schedule, single mom, teenage sons, etc. Sure enough, I started searching channeling and because, again, I did not really know what I was looking for. And it was 2010. It was a while back. And so I found Holistic Studies Institute in Manhattan, which is a few hours from me. And I signed up for classes and I went one weekend a month for a year. And that's when I really stepped onto this conscious path, I call, I'll call it, where it was very intentional. 
I knew in the first class that I landed in that I didn't know what I was going to do with my business and my practice, but I knew that I was here to help as many people connect to their intuition and their psychic skills as possible for the rest of my life, right? So I had a lot of joy because I felt as though I sort of finally found my calling at the age of, you know, early 40s. I was at that time. So from then, it just, you know, really just went from there. I started doing readings and classes and helping people and shed my day job in 2013. I've been doing this work full time since. And yeah, so it's just, I mean, there's a lot that I could say, but that's how it started. That's so beautiful. And I just love hearing that you found your path and you found your calling. And I think a lot of people are going through that right now for whatever reason, as most of us can tell, and I think our listeners who are probably on this podcast right now are probably going through some sort of an awakening. It's no secret. <laughs> and with that shift, more and more people are starting to align with their life path. And because we're all here for a reason to, to help people. And so you found your life path several years ago and been living at your purpose ever since. So that's so beautiful to hear that. Based on your experience, Angela, what do you think opens people up psychically? I have heard that often trauma can be a catalyst for psychic development. What are your thoughts? What have you found? Great question, Jennifer. Yes. So as I said, I'm 55. And I only make that distinction and repeat my age just to kind of let people know sort of baseline who who I am, you know, what decades I grew up in and such. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine, even though I, I grew up on the West Coast, I now live on the East Coast, I had really cool parents in California. There wasn't a lot of information and access in the 70s to, to this kind of stuff. And if people were waking up or going through something, it was just not, it really wasn't on anybody's radar. For me, I was hit by a car when I was seven and had a near-death experience. And so in when I was coming up and learning in the early aughts, you know, the early 2000s, and even before that in the late 90s, there was a theory, and certainly in the 80s, and philosophy from kind of the old school spiritualists that physical trauma could kind of shake the psychic mm -hmm. out of you. Mm -hmm. So when I initially went to psychic school in 2010, I thought, hmm, well, perhaps that's what's going on here. Maybe it's always been there and it was shaken loose. What I've learned since is that, you know, we all have a pineal gland and a pituitary gland and we all have a physical body and our physical body is our best divining rod. And so regardless of me having an NDE at the age of seven, I didn't know and neither did my family. Like I said, cool parents grew up in California. Nobody knew that I was psychic because I was very clear cognizant. So I would just know stuff mm -hmm. and I was very empathic. So I was that kid that was like crying all the time, being kind of the emotional barometer of the family. Nobody could ever figure out why. So the ways that my psychic skills were showing up for me earlier in my life, they weren't recognized as such, even by me. Right. And so, yeah, I had physical trauma and, and yes, many people recognize through trauma, through their own traumas, through emotional trauma, all the kinds of trauma that people can experience, that that heightens their senses. And I would say, yes, that absolutely can happen and does happen for so many people. You know, many people find that because of some of the traumas they've come through, they've had to cultivate their sixth sense mm -hmm. as a way to keep themselves safe and protected or figure out which ways to pivot and navigate in the world. Aside from the trauma stuff, though, I would say that there are just so many people waking up on the planet at this time because we're the planet's going through an expansion and a raising of its consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so it's a lot of like 
spirit guides and the unseens going, wake up, wake up, wake up to a lot of people, you know, like I had that mattress shaking in 2009 <laughs> or 10, you know, and a lot of people are getting that, like just in their bodies and, and waking up and all of a sudden seeing things differently perception wise. Right. So yes. I mean, there's, yeah. You know, Angela, I got to admit, if my mattress was shaking, I probably would go cry in the corner and hyperventilate in a bag. I don't think I, I don't think I would handle that very well. Uh, I am curious, though, about your NDE. I know you were rather young, but I had a, I had actually a guest on a couple of weeks ago who really specializes in research on NDEs. And we're talking about how during your near-death experience, how your consciousness expands. Do you recall anything, any type of unusual experience or anything from that? even though you were only seven? I can, I recall it as though it was clear as day, right? As that happens for all of us with trauma. It's, it's crazy, the details that we can remember around that. I was hit by a car. And what I remember of mine, I didn't have the light. I didn't head to the light. I didn't have a life review. So mine was really more out-of-body experience type NDE. I was hovering above my body, about 30 feet above my body on the neighbor's lawn where I had been hit. And I could see the people around me. And as a seven-year-old, I got scared. And I remember saying to myself, I hope this is a dream. I hope this is a dream. I want my mom. Mm-hmm. So, and then I don't remember anything, but I do remember watching the ambulance doors close and drive away. And then I was in and out of consciousness over the next couple of weeks in the hospital. Wow. And I was lucky in that I was not actually that badly injured. You know, mm-hmm. it was a time though when hospital stays were a lot longer because again, it was like a whole different arena in healthcare then, right? So I was in the hospital longer than somebody would be now for what I went through. But yeah, I have the memories of, I broke my arm, wrist and collarbone. So when I was, when they were cutting my clothes off of me and getting ready to set my arm, it was so painful that it brought me back into my body. But I would say that I was in expanded consciousness and floating outside of my body for a number of days. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. And not everybody has the life review and goes through the same NDE experience. That was one of the things that we had chatted about. So it is pretty common that people will have what you just referred to as, you know, float, hovering above the body and being aware and, and seeing like what is going on. I really resonated with that. I can, you know, being scared of probably, you know, wanting your mom and, you know, like seven, that, that's quite traumatic. So absolutely, I would, I would agree that that more than likely was the catalyst for your psychic awakening. And then, so based off of like your experience, when you first realized you had these abilities and like, was it, how did you come forward to tell other people? Like, were you nervous? Were you scared? And what would you say to anyone who is realizing that they have abilities? What advice would you give to listeners about coming forward or stepping into the, and just claiming that power? Great question. <clears throat> One thing I'll say first is that what I've learned through my process and my work in the last 13 years, 14 years, is that psychic skills are absolutely developable. You know, we've mm-hmm. all got the pituitary gland and pineal gland in a physical body. And so we are all psychic and we all develop to different degrees. I, I liken it to musical ability or sports ability, right? There's kind of a spectrum. Some people are born like Beethoven and composing music as a toddler or preschooler, and some are working really hard to eke out a tune, whether singing or playing an instrument. Same with sporting ability. You know, some people have to train really hard to get there. Some people are naturally really talented, and psychic skills are on a spectrum a bit like that, too. So what I would say is that, you know, we all have that, what I call that intuitive fire within us we have it innately naturally. It's a matter of figuring out how we're perceiving or receiving information 
And then the process is a bit more about becoming and that we have a lot of what I would call like wet blankets on our intuitive fire. And so those are things like perhaps religious stories that you've been told or your beliefs, you know, that maybe only special people do this or some religions say it's scary, it's of the devil, right? Like all the different stories we hear could be that you've told yourself that, right? Mm -hmm. Could be that people in authority have told you that you're not psychic, It could be past life stuff. There can be so many things that can kind of keep us from realizing that we do all have this available to us. And I call those like wet blankets on our intuitive fire. So the process of developing, as far as I see it and the ways that I teach it, is really about pulling off those wet blankets off of our intuitive fire so that we can then stoke it. And a lot of the skills training that happens is... Well, the bigger part of the training process is more about mindset shifting than it is skills training, honestly, mm-hmm. and then practice, lots of practice, right? Just to have the different situations and, and understand kind of how to work with it. So what I would say to people kind of back more to your question and the point of your question is if you are having experiences like seeing visions or having big dreams or feeling as though you sent spirit around you or kind of, you know, hearing voices and you don't have a psych diagnosis, right? That that would be an auditory hallucination, then, you know, honor that and and trust it. And there are lots and lots of schools and mentors and people that train and can help people with skills. And so if you feel like you need support, get support. You know, there's a lot of support out there, but don't let people gaslight you or let you think that you're not experiencing what you're experiencing. We're living in a time, and this is part of the awakening on the planet, where we're all being really deeply called to listen to what we know inside of us. And that includes our intuition, our psychic skills. And so I would encourage people to bring yourself back inside, sit with what you feel may be true, don't negate it. And I wouldn't, you know, run out and tell everybody all the time, you want to consider the audience. It's Mm -hmm. very different climate in 23 than it was in 2010 when I was developing, even though it's only 13 years ago. The world is a lot more open. It's a lot Mm -hmm. more kind of to regard. People talk about it a lot more. But if you are having this special experience of maybe feeling like you're awakening or saying, yeah, I've had that sense for a while. I I thought I was psychic. Just consider your audience because, you know, if you share it with someone that then sort of negates it, it could just keep you from developing something that could be so wildly helpful for you and nourishing for your life. So yeah, I would say just know your audience, consider before you share, find that that community where you can talk to people about that stuff and not look like, you know, the crazy one in the room. For me, I told my family slowly and Mm -hmm. my family and my close friends were an audience that I chose very early on. You know, I decided I wasn't going to try to convince them of my beliefs. My hope was that they would support me and believe in me, regardless of whether what I was doing and expanding into matched their beliefs or not. And Mm -hmm. I was met with a lot of relief from close family members and close friends because they weren't sure once they found out what I was doing, if they were going to have to think differently or if we could not be friends anymore. Right. So I just didn't even try to sort of convince or move the needle for the people that were really close to me. Having their support as a human was more important than having them share my beliefs. That makes sense. Absolutely. And actually, it's a personal question for me because I know that with my line of work, that was one of my concerns. And I was nervous about what people were going to think. And 
honestly, a lot of people don't know what I do still because I've been very conscious of like, who I share my work with and what audience because the judgment and the comments and I just kind of want to make sure that I have positivity surrounding my line of work. And I do, I'm past life regressionist. I do quantum healing hypnosis. And I know that sometimes a lot of people may not understand. Even some of my closest friends, they wouldn't understand. And they may have to, your point, like you said, I don't want them to feel like they have to approach me different or talk to me different. Or so I'm very conscious of who I share with, what I do with. And I would suspect that there's probably a lot of other people that have that fear or you know, being judged and they don't want to come forward or step into their gifts. And so I think it is really just about trusting and knowing your audience and, and, you know, and gradually and slowly, slowly coming out and, you know, explaining like what it is that you're doing. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about the psychic attacks. Are they real? <laughs> and if so, like, how can somebody recognize and, and protect themselves against that? Great question. Yes, they're real. <laughs> <laughs> So, and I'll qualify that. I sometimes have a hard time speaking about the topic of psychic attack because it sounds so malevolent. And I would say that probably 95% of the time that we are experiencing psychic attack, I often use the term psychic influence. I think it's more mm-hmm. appropriate. Okay. It's by people that aren't doing it on purpose. They're not trying to hurt us, right? They're not trying to kind of like come into our brains and, and you know, send thoughts our way. And so that's why I take issue with the term attack, because I just, I think that very few people do it intentionally and malevolently. By and large, it's more like people don't realize how much we can pick up on people's thoughts and more so what goes on in in psychic attack or psychic influence situation is emotions will be kind of like a highlighter and they will send the psychic message to someone faster. So if you're choosing to sit around and talk to your partner about a challenge that you had with a friend where things got pretty heated, you had a disagreement, you know, and you're processing this with your partner and kind of deciding how to move forward. The person that you're talking to your partner about probably will feel like a buzzing in their brain. They might all of a sudden have you pop into their head. They might feel your frustration, right? And so in that, you know, in that example, that's a situation of you sitting with your partner processing something that isn't malevolent. It's just you're processing an emotional interaction perhaps you had with someone in your world, deciding how to move forward. But that person might receive it as like a headache or a funky feeling, or, you know, like I said, seeing, seeing your face or hearing thoughts. And so I encourage people to really just consider that. Mm-hmm. We all... <laughs> As humans, I mean, our emotions is what distinguishes us from other species, not just, I mean, not just on this planet, but off planet is really what more what I'm talking about with that. And so, you know, our, our emotions, our capacity to feel it, it's, it's beautiful, right? It's a really big gift of being human. And we've all got to process emotions and I would never tell people to become less emotional, but I would caution people that when they are going to process something big, like the example that I gave you perhaps, or that involves someone else, just visualize that you're putting up shields of protection, ask your guides to, you know, cover you with protection so that you can keep private what you're processing so that it won't go out there and affect someone else, right? This isn't about protecting something negative that you don't want to get to somebody in a in a low vibrational way. This is about really caring that the person doesn't kind of receive this information while you're processing what you're processing, period. So using energy hygiene is really important. And I teach my students that too. And so I would just encourage people to throw up some shields 
you know, put yourself in kind of an energetic silo when you're doing your emotional processing that involves other people so that it doesn't affect other people and result in something like psychic attack. Yeah. And that's actually a lot of really good information because now that you've expanded on that, I definitely think that I recently went through that. I had in my own life, like a personal situation where I had this friend and we just weren't aligning anymore and kind of just drifted apart. But this person just kept popping into my mind, like consistently, like over and over and over. And I'm like, what is going on? And I started to re- observe that I was having these emotions that they, they didn't feel like they were mine. Like this frustration. And every time I would start to feel that, I would like see this person or like feel like it was coming from this person. And so it actually took me like over a week to realize and that I think that that's what was going on. And to your point, I don't think it was intentional. Mm-hmm. And I did put up like an energy shield and I just did a meditation and envisioned like this white light around me and, and then it, it went away. So mm-hmm. it was, yeah, it's interesting because exactly like what you kind of just described, I was experiencing that. I've never like, experienced it that intensely before. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. my yeah, intuition and- guided me on, on the shield. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. And one of the things I say to people is that's really positive that people can also do is if you do have a sense that someone's thinking of you or their psychic attack at play, you can visualize that you're sending little hearts, love bombs, like to their higher self. Mm-hmm. When you do that, it'll calm down what they're feeling quicker. They may not know what you're doing. It's totally love-based. It's love-filled. It's all good intentions, but it'll reduce then how much you feel them too. Here's another example of psychic attack that's so common and it happened to me this week. So I think it's really relevant here for the listeners. Mm-hmm. So my niece lives in another state and we spoke recently. She started a new job and we spoke recently. She likes to come to me for advice on you know things about a job. And so she'd been on my mind all week and I kept thinking, I need to text her. I need to text her. I need to find out what's going on with her work. Well, she texted me yesterday and was like, Aunt Angie, can I ask your advice? Because she's been thinking about texting me all week. So that's just a really sort of simple example of how the psychic influence can work and how we can be receiving other people. I, I pretty much know now I'll have like a client pop into my head and they'll pop in and out of my head for a number of days. And I know that within days, they're going to be emailing me to set up a session. And that's what happens. So we, it happens in the less malevolent ways too, even when there isn't a lot of emotion pushing that thought of the person towards them. So mm-hmm. yeah, if people are experiencing that, enjoy it. Know that the, you're probably on the person's mind if they're popping into your mind. Yeah, and I also think that as we expand our consciousness collectively, we begin to realize that these synchronicities, they're really not so extraordinary after all. I mean, they've been happening all along. We just haven't been conscious or tuned to them happening. Exactly. Yeah. How could somebody tell us they're clairvoyant? Like, what is what is that like as far as like being clairvoyant? And how could somebody recognize that skill that, that maybe needs to be developed? So clairvoyance, I would say by definition, is... It's a French word, clair, meaning clear, Mm -hmm. and voyance, meaning seeing. So the way that I define clairvoyance is any way that you are picking up messages from the unseen realms with your eyes. So that means everything from if you see numbers on a license plate and you have a sense Mm -hmm. that you're connected to the universe, right? And you have a sense Mm -hmm. that your guides are talking to you. That would be like a very, very mild and indirect form of clairvoyance. Or if you're asking spirit for, you know, give me a sign, I'm trying to decide if I should take this job. And then you, you know, drive by a billboard that says something like you're hired, right? Like that would be (laughs) an example. Seeing it with your eyes would be an example of a clairvoyant message. And then anything that we see in dreams, 
Mm -hmm. Anything that we see in meditation, whether eyes are opened or closed, anything that we see with our naked eyes, whether that's that we see like shimmering lights or silvery lights sometimes, or if we see orbs, or if we have a sense of like an apparition around us with our eyes, that would be clairvoyance, as well as what I call map eye. And so I'll qualify that when, and again, this speaks to my age, right? So before technology, before GPS, we used to look at maps <laughs> to figure out where we were going to drive. And so me always being a visual person, I would have kind of a picture of where I was going in the back of my head. That's what I call map eye. So while I'm driving down the road, I'm not looking at a map, it's dangerous, but I have this image in the back of my head of this map of where I'm going. So I'm otherwise engaged, but that's kind of running. That's what I call map eye. And so a lot of what I do when I work with people that are moving through their clairvoyance and the different sort of stages is get them to take that map eye from sort of in the back of their head and bring it in front of them so that people can also, if they're seeing things, and this is how I tend to read with my clients and they see this when they're on Zoom with me because my eyes are moving and they're open. It's almost like I'm reading the air. I'm looking at the holograms coming through in the air that are the messages that are very similar to what the map eye is. So if anybody is very visual, whether you're reading a story and you know, you're reading a book and it's you're conjuring a visual, yes, you're using your imagination, but that's also your clairvoyance. They come across the same pathways. And so if someone's telling you a story and you're getting visuals, it's your imagination, but it's also your clairvoyance. I mean, tell your friend what you're seeing because you're probably seeing what they're explaining to you. And then you would realize in that moment that it's your clairvoyance. So it expresses in all different ways that we use our eyes to glean messages from the unseen is how I would define clairvoyance. Yeah, and that's actually exactly why I was asking that question, because in my line of work as a past life regressionist, you know, my clients, when they're in hypnosis, they'll tell me what they see and they define the scene. And I just thought it was my imagination. <laughs> but and then recently I started to realize it's a little bit more than that because I had a client and we were chatting like a couple of weeks after the session. She had texted me about something that had aligned. It popped up and she's like, oh, my gosh, do you remember in session this, this and this happened? And Somehow I made a comment about, yeah, do you remember the scene in the past life? I thought it was, oh, I like, well, I don't know why your dress wasn't white. You had a pale blue dress on. And she's like, I never told you that. And she's like, but it's true. And I was like, yeah, you told me that in, in, in the session. I have it on the recording. She's like, no, I've listened to the recording like three times. I didn't tell you that. So then I went back to the recording and I found that a lot of the stuff that I had pictured, I thought was just my imagination. She didn't actually ever tell me in the regression and so I thought that was interesting and then when I talked with like another practitioner she said that that's been happening to her too so I think that as we you know do this type of work and we work more on the light we start to maybe even unconsciously develop these skills without even realizing it absolutely bingo yeah. bingo bingo you're right on great job Jennifer yeah, yeah. you were totally pulling clairvoyant messages while you were doing the session with your client <laughs> So yes. I've definitely been more cognitive and aware of that. And I'm like, okay, it's not just me making this up. I feel like I'm there with them. It's pretty cool. Uh, and Very cool. Yeah, it's happened a few other times since that particular client. Yeah. Very cool. Exciting stuff. Have you ever encountered, Angela, anybody through your teaching or that cannot develop their psychic abilities? Is there such a thing as somebody who's maybe so blocked that they can't develop it or would it just maybe be not the right time? Both. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
both. And it's interesting because I actually had two clients that came through my coaching program where they were able to develop some of their other two out of like many hundreds over the last 13 years, 11 Mm -hmm. years since I've been running the program, but they were able to develop other aspects of like their energy sensitivity. They could hear spirit. They would know things. They would see things like colors and swirls and things in meditation. So their clairvoyance was there, but these two clients, it was an interesting set of two cases when we would work on pushing their clairvoyance a bit, they would see like a vision of like a brick wall in front of them. So they could see it psychically, but it was to what you just mentioned. It clearly wasn't time for them to open that up yet. And so, yes, that happens. But mo- more often than not, it's the other way. I've had so many clients come to me and they're like, okay, I've had a sense of spirit my whole life. I can tell when there's a dead person around. I'm a feeler. I'm a sensor, or I hear, but I don't see. And then we drop that language. Historically, you haven't seen. And they'll come into a development circle in my program. And first circle or fifth circle, all of a sudden, they'll be like, I'm seeing this and that. And I'm like, uh, so-and-so, did you just say you were seeing? Is that the first time you're seeing? And they're like, yep, it's the first time I'm seeing. So more often than not, people that think maybe they can't develop their clairvoyance and have the others or vice versa with other clairs you're able to develop them all. I'm living proof of it, right? Because mm-hmm. I wasn't clairvoyant when I started this process and I've evolved it. So yeah, it's more often than not that people develop far more than they think they can. If you have a sense that it's not your time or people have fear or resistance, it's not their time. That's totally cool. You don't try to force people to develop, of course. You know, People mm-hmm. tend to know when they're ready for that. Yeah, and I also think too that the story that we tell ourselves will manifest. So maybe sometimes people have that doubt that's you know ingrained in them mm-hmm. that oh maybe I, I'm going to be the one who it doesn't work and I can't develop. And I I see that manifest in my sessions a lot too. So I think that belief plays a big part into that as well. And I like that you touched on fear because you know that's something myself that I get nervous of. Like I have a fear of maybe attracting attracting an entity. And so talk to me about that, like, because does it plop you open, you know, when, when you develop your psychic abilities, does that leave you open to, you know, attracting entities or, or negative spirits? And how do you protect against that? And do you teach that in your classes? Absolutely. Yes, I teach it in my classes. So what I would say is up until about 18, 19, maybe 20, there was less of a need for the psychic protection. And I'll qualify that. Year or age? Sorry, 18, 19 years. Year, old. year, year sorry, okay. 2018, so 19, or 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just over a yeah. couple years ago. Thank you for, <laughs> okay, for asking. Is I would say that, you know, there's a big, well, there are a lot of beliefs in this community and oh, the yeah. spiritual and metaphysical community and the consciousness community. And, you know, some people will say, well, if you walk around believing you need to be protected, then you're going to attract things that you need to protect yourself from, right? And so I would say protection was less important in up until about 2018, 19, 20. And then once, you know, the transformative 20s hit, it's just lots of things are going on in the unseens. And, even you know, my guides have been very clear, like 10 layers of protection. Like, seriously, don't do any less than 10 layers of protection when you're protecting yourself. So the need for protection has grown as a a direct result of the consciousness raising of the planet. You know, the brighter the light, the longer the shadow, right? And so what that means is the more that you develop, you may have more need to protect more, right? Because the more that you're in the light, then there's a chance that it'll cast a a darker or longer shadow, right? So it's important to be aware of. In terms of people developing and having that fear of entities, I totally respect that people have that fear that you should, that you have had that, you have that fear to a degree. 
And, and that's why finding someone to develop with that's professional and ethical is really important if you're in that camp of having that fear, right? So I don't, the people that come through my conscious psychic program, my year-long coaching program, you know, I work with them really closely on that. Energy hygiene is huge. And we don't have a lot of that kind of stuff happen. Mm-hmm. I take that stuff very seriously, especially because it's a group program. And I run six development circles a week where we're like meeting live on the phone. People are reading each other. It's the best mm-hmm. way to develop, in my opinion. So, you know, I'm holding the space. I'm doing the protection. I lead us through a grounding meditation. I instruct people how to cut cords and release from the experience. So I, I give a lot of like really tight, really deep teaching on this stuff for exactly this reason that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had people that have said, I had these skills as a kid and I shut them down because I was scared. Can you help me safely reopen them? Like, yeah, absolutely. And that's so a lot of people that come through my program are of that ilk too. Yeah. And they're sweet. They give glowing reviews, right? Because they do feel comfortable and safe. And then they're able to go out into their lives on how to work comfortably and safely with the skills that they've developed. Is that an answer? Yeah, it does. And then something that you touched on earlier too, is this, that sense of knowing no, as I, I step more into like my line of work and developing, I feel that everything that I thought I knew is is true. Growing up, I don't know how I always knew these things, but it was always ingrained in me. Definitely highly empathic. And I didn't realize that I was an empath until back in 2016. I was working in a call center. Lots of energy. It was for a large airline. And sometimes I'd walk in and I could just feel the energies we especially like during hurricane season sometimes we'd have 2,000 calls on hold six hour wait times and my staff was stressed out and I'd walk into that and everybody would be coming to my gas station to fill up and you know I was I think subconsciously attracting that and I knew it but I wasn't aware on like how to step up and and things like that and so and I think it's also important that people be aware of the energy that they're attracting and make sure that they protect themselves, you know, every day before you go out, even if it's just going to the store. Yeah. Ground center shield. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Oh, I like I totally that. Agree. Ground center shield. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I've got a class called the empath toolkit. That's almost all energy hygiene, especially mm-hmm. for empaths. Yeah, absolutely. I would remind people though, too, that the fear and also what what we think and what we feel, our emotions and our thoughts can be the biggest culprit for attracting stuff in that's icky and negative. Mm-hmm. Not talking about your situation in your in your previous job, you mm-hmm. know, where you, you realize you're an empath and wanting to zip up your energy. But if someone's sitting in fear, I would just remind them that if you feed the fear, it's going to kind of bring in some of that darker stuff. So the more that you can kind of come above that, even if that means you don't want to develop psychically, but you just want to be in better, more positive spaces, that's going to keep a lot of negativity out of your life too, psychic or otherwise. Yeah. And, you know, fear is the real four letter word. I think fear is the one thing that blocks us from, you know, from walking our path and from pursuing our passions oftentimes. So then society likes to keep us in fear because fear sells. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then, so we were chatting before we got hopped on and we were talking about you know, being a channeler and channeling messages and like, sometimes they pop in and I know that angels or guides they love having a platform because there's so many messages sometimes for humanity especially right now as we evolve and we shift 
And I just wanted to check in to see if you feel like today there's any guides that want to come forward or have any messages for listeners. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And just to qualify a little bit, I do, I vet my guides and I only work with guides from the fifth dimension and above. I won't name them here. Mm-hmm. And just for respect for that connection that they and I have, but they're generally coming through with a lot of support. I'm actually, I've been receiving this more than even today, a lot of analogies to setting sail on a journey on a boat. And so my mm-hmm. guides are kind of untying ropes from a tall ship that's getting ready to leave the harbor as a representation for all of the listeners to be confident in setting sail, be confident in moving forward. Do your best to process, acknowledge, process, and let go of any fears that you may have about everything that's going on around us on the planet right now. And fear not, fear not, trust that the love in your golden hearts will carry you forward on a fulfilling voyage in ways that will satisfy not only you, but those whom you come into contact with on the daily. Be here for each other, be here for each other, be here for yourselves first and foremost, and be here for each other as well through community bonds, through working together, we will forge this new pathway, this new voyage, this new journey together. And so it is. Amen. Mm, That's so beautiful. And that really resonates for me right now. And I know that for many of our listeners are going to find such great value in that as well. It is so true. Right now is such an important time to just be able to trust and let go of that fear as we, as we move forward and out of this 3D, you know, mind matrix and more into like a heart-based living as we transition to this fifth dimension, you know, way of consciousness and thinking. Thank you, Angela. And for listeners right now, I'm just actually curious, what's your next project that you're working on or the next upcoming class, if anybody's interested in working with you? Thank you for asking. So I'm opening up enrollment in June for my conscious psychic program. And that is really, she's my baby. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She created it in 2012. and, And really that's where most of my work is. It's a hybrid group coaching program. So what that means is, is people would have a couple of one-on-one sessions with me each month. It's a 12-month tw- commitment. There's a little bit of didactic teaching, but mostly what I get excited about when I wake up and what I run out of bed in the morning for is to facilitate experiential learning. So I'll tell you how that, what that looks like briefly in this context. Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, I run six development circles per week for my students. There are about 20 in the program right now. And what that means is we get onto a development circle and we don't do it on video because that can be very distracting. When we're on audio only, then no one has to worry about what they look like when they're, you know, working with their psychic skills. People can be really comfortable and relax and really go deep inside of themselves without having those visual cues that you might have if you're on a video circle or an in-person circle, which is how this program started, but I've transitioned it to all online. And so I lead us through grounding meditation and then we're we're basically opening up a segment off the time and we're opening up to reading each person. And so when we do that, if you're sitting there, say Jennifer, if you were there Mm -hmm. and you know, you started to sort of know that I know that you do see, you start to see a bird of a white bird flying around. You started to feel peace. Maybe you see this white bird landing in the lap of the person we're focusing on. We'll say her name's Jane. And you're sitting there getting ready to offer this to Jane. And then another member comes in and says, Jane, I'm seeing a dove of peace flying in with a eucalyptus branch in its mouth and landing on your shoulder. I think you've got a really peaceful time coming. That right there, you would be sitting there, Jennifer, and you would be like, oh my gosh, I was having the same kind of message (laughs) come through. There's no better teacher than having that experience. You'd be in that experience thinking, 
I'm psychic and not just because Angela told me that I am and that because I signed up for this program, right? You would have that evidence right there Mm -hmm. and that experience. And then that, you know, that reinforces your strength and then continuing to work on it. And you start to understand and see how other people are perceiving and developing and it all helps everybody in the group. So I could talk about it for hours. Clearly, I love what I do, but that experiential learning is the crux of the Conscious Psychic Program. So if anybody's interested or feels that they might be at a point to develop, you know, you've got my contact info. People can go mm-hmm. onto my website and check that out and see if it feels like it's for them to jump on the phone with me and talk about it further. Absolutely. And I will include all of your contact information in the show notes for listeners. And I really enjoyed having you on the show today. I love your beautiful energy. And our listeners can't see you. You're just glowing. And I see <laughs> your, you know how passionate you are when you talk about your work and what you do. Beautiful. Thank you, Jennifer. It's such a joy to be here. I'm excited to be a part of the Soul Traveler podcast. I'm excited for you and your work and all of the places it's going to expand. Thank you again for having me today. Thank you. And definitely, I would love to have you back on too, you know, on the show so we can stay in touch and update listeners on what's going on. Sounds great. Thank you you for your time today, Angela. You're welcome. This podcast is brought to you by The Soul Experience quantum healing hypnosis. Are you ready to embark on an inward journey of quantum healing? Quantum healing hypnosis is the most profound method of inner work and self-healing someone can do while on a spiritual path. In a single session, you experience past life regression, exploration between lifetimes, self-healing performed by your subconscious, release of trapped trauma, and answers to your most important life questions. Your higher self has a message for you and is here to help you and guide you on this life journey. Book a session today with Jennifer Mitchell at thesoulexperiences.com.